Major League Baseball regular season is almost over. As we inch towards October 1st, the last day of regular season, we have lots of cool playoff battles to look forward to. Maybe not the first round, a couple of them, but moving forward, there's some really good teams this year and a lot of cool developments as we inch almost done with regular season here. Fortunately, only one of the cool stories or one playoff teams is going to be from Chicago. Chicago Cubs are four games behind the Milwaukee Brewers in the National League Central, but a great chance of a wild card spot if they don't earn the top spot. So either way, I feel like the Chicago Cubs are going to be in there. That's awesome. The rebuild that the Cubs have been able to do after the monster trades of the Anthony Rizzo's, Javier Baez's, Chris Bryant's of the world sent them to other teams and didn't know what was going to happen with this team. We're like, oh, they're going to be bad for a while now. No, they started putting other pieces together, got some good picks, used their money, doing good things in Chicago Cub style. White Sox, not so much. They are one of four teams that are currently eliminated from playoffs, not going anywhere. Kansas City Royals, Oakland A's, and Colorado Rockies join the White Sox as the four teams not having a postseason. Man, the season has been awful for the White Sox. I've been to two games. I wasn't overly impressed. Luis Roberts is amazing. Great player. Hopefully he stays with the White Sox a long time. Tim Anderson went off the deep end, forgot how to play the game of baseball. Nothing like the all-star caliber player he was just a couple years ago. Just a crazy thing in Chicago of how the White Sox were a really, really good team and inching towards greatness to completely falling off the planet. The only team locked into a postseason berth right now is the Atlanta Braves. In the American League East, Baltimore Orioles have a two-game lead over the Tampa Bay Rays. Doesn't matter who's at the top of the East. Both of them are going to get in. One's going to get a wild card spot. But obviously, you want to own a spot in the postseason and not have to be in the wild card. But it it might be Tampa Bay. It might be Baltimore. Both of them playing pretty good baseball. American League Central, the Minnesota Twins have a seven and a half game lead. They're locked in. They got it. AL West, the Astros have a one game lead over the Texas Rangers. Did hear some kind of bad news on my way home from refereeing a basketball game tonight. It's Matt Scherzer, a awesome pitcher, all-star, World Series champ, has a strain in his shoulder for the Rangers. And those take like a month to heal. So he might not be back in time to play in the postseason. The wild card favorites, of course, Tampa Bay is in the mix right now, unless them and Baltimore Orioles flip the script, but otherwise Tampa Bay is definitely a lock. But the Texas Rangers, Toronto Blue Jays, and the Seattle Mariners all have 80 wins and can get in there in the last wild card spot. The Braves already in. Brewers are in unless the Cubs can catch them. The West, the NL West, is owned by the LA Dodgers as they have a 13 and a half game lead. Wild card favorites in the NL, the Phillies have 79 wins, the Cubs 78, Arizona Diamondbacks 76, and the San Francisco Giants 75. The Cubs can continue to win. They'll lock up that wild card. 
or catch the Brewers. You know, always hope, always hope. But hopefully this is a postseason season for the Cubs. It's always fun to see what will happen. I always love the playoffs in MLB and the race right now. The last couple weeks to see what happens is always a blast. To see who will rise to the occasion and who will poo the bed. I'm your host, Brandon Lachance. This is Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Don't know where you listen to this show, but you can listen to all of them on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the website, www.rss.com backslash Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Socials, you know we're there. Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, and Twitter, Edge of Your Seat P. You can also hit me up on the socials, Brandon Lachance. Last name looks like L.A. Chance. That's what it is on Facebook. Twitter is LaChance Writer. On all those sites, platforms, please like, review, share, five star, a million star, all of that to help us do what we're trying to do. Let's put a spotlight, a showcase on everything going on in northern and central Illinois. If you have any questions, suggestions, would like to be a guest, you know somebody that would like to be a guest. You like or dislike something I or a guest said, or you'd like to sponsor with Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Please send an email to edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. As always, love. Shout out to Brian Cavelli, Cavelli Productions, for the creation of the intro and outro beat that is heard on every single episode of Edge of Your Seat Podcast, which is brought to you by... First State Bank, 19 branches in northern and central Illinois. They do their thing. They're awesome people, kind people that know the ins and outs of banking to the fullest. Loans, CDs, savings, checking, everything else. Tons of options. First State Bank is a place to find your option. This is episode 295 featuring three guests. First, this is part two of our chat with Christian Soderholm, who played basketball in Australia from February to August of 2023. So this very season, the first part was before he left. And the second part was after he returned. So he's back home. He's in the Illinois Valley playing in some volleyball tournaments. Maybe not now. We're starting to get cold as it's September 13th, a Wednesday. Starting to get a little cold. People wearing hoodies. I'm wearing hoodies. Could still be playing volleyball. We spoke to him just a couple weeks ago, and he's pumped to be home, ready to see what his future brings him, takes him, and so are we. Good friend of Edge of Your Seat Podcast, making sure he's doing his thing. Also, IVCC boys soccer coach Tim Cottingen, as we review the season, or preview, not review, it's not over, we preview the season of the Eagles as they are currently four wins, two losses, and one tie on the season. IVCC started 3-0 with a 6-0 shutout to Scott Community College. Then a 2-0 shutout, not shutout, shutout to Joliet Junior College. Then the Eagles beat Malcolm X 4-1. They lost to St. Charles Community College 2-1, then beat Milwaukee Area Tech College 4-1. Before tying with Madison College 1-1 and then losing to Parkland College today, Wednesday the 13th, 
one to zero. They scored 18 goals in six games. That's two and a half goals per game. Having a great season. And it's only starting off. They got lots of soccer left to go. And we will also have Amboy Lamoille, Ohio football coach Scott Payne as he talks about week three's victory over Martinsville and the week four matchup coming against Quest Academy. But before we get to our guest, we will have win-lose stat. It's a short one, one day as we are completely caught up or just a day ahead of time. And one of the most popular segments of Edge of Your Seat podcast, bring it back as we stroll through the Rolling Stone Magazine's top 500 albums of all time list. We give you the opportunity to be involved and vote of what we listen to, what artist and album we jump into, find out about, educate ourselves, and then we come back and chat about it to share all the knowledge. We appreciate all the involvement, all the votes. It seems like every week they're going up, going up, going up, going up, and it's because of you guys. Definitely appreciate the help, love, and support. Have a word with the sponsor, and we'll be right back for Win Lose Stat. Have you heard the news? First State Bank is the first to offer Quillo. Quillo is an online personal loan officer that allows you to apply for a loan in just minutes. Need to replenish your checking account? Pay off a high interest credit card? Or take that vacation you have always wanted? Check out Quillo on the First State Bank website using your phone, tablet, or PC. It won't impact your credit score to apply. There are no fees, no penalties, and payments you can't afford. You'll need a First State Bank checking account, but have no worries. You can apply for one of those online too. Check out FSB's Premier account that pays higher interest for doing a few routine activities. Go to firststatebank.biz today to see how you can get a Quillo loan with a new or existing checking account. First State Bank is member FDIC and equal housing lender. Win-lose stat from Monday, September 11th. We have girls golf. The Kiwani invite. Peoria Notre Dame's Ella Corder won with a 77. Dwight's Katie Drew right behind her for second with 84. And tied for fourth was Geneseo's Olivia Say with a 97. Boys soccer. Dixon defeated Oregon 2-1 with penalty kicks. The shootouts were tied at 2-2 until Dixon's Robbie Ramirez hit the game winner. For Oregon, Steve Garrardo made the goal. Plano lost to Woodstock 1-0. For the Reapers, Juan Guano had six saves. LaSalle, Peru, and Ottawa tied 3-3. And then Pirates won with PKs. Lots of PKs, extra minute soccer on Monday the 11th. 9-11, memorance to all. Everything that happened that fateful day in 2001, World Trade Center, lots of lives, lots of memories, lots of thank yous. Man, such a crazy moment. And every single year, try to give back, think back, and remember. We always have to remember what those people did. Serena's Tanner Favre broke a school record, scoring his 98th career goal during a game against Hinkley Big Rock. When he scored, the score was tied 2-2. Girls tennis, Dixon 5, Rochelle 0. 
winning for Dixon in singles. Grace Ferguson, the number one player, and Addison Arges, the number two player. Number one doubles, Leah Stees and Ariel Tefefku. The number two doubles, Brooklyn Arges and Rachel Lance. And the third doubles, number three doubles, Sienna Cameron and Lily Herrera. To the volleyball court we go. Princeton defeated Hall in three sets, 25-21, 23-25, 25-19. For Princeton, Natasha Faber-Fox, 35 assists, 15 points, 12 digs, 3 aces, 2 kills. Maya Fox, 21 digs, 9 points, 1 ace, 1 assist. Ellie Harp, 11 Ks, 9 points, 3 aces, 2 blocks. Princeton now 9-7-1 on the season. Genoa Kingston beat Rochelle 25-15, 25-21. The Cogs are now 14-1 on the season. For Genoa Kingston, Elena Pierce, 13 kills, 7 digs, and 2 aces, while Olivia Keegan had 15 assists, 9 kills, 1 ace, 1 block. Morris beat Seneca in 2 sets. Marquette beat Indian Creek in three sets, 25-12, 25-23, 25-17. For Indian Creek, Ellie Peterson, nine kills, seven solo blocks, and five assist blocks. Izzy Turner, four kills, four assists, nine digs, and five assist blocks. So Ellie Peterson and Izzy Turner getting down on five blocks together, while Allie Peterson had seven blocks alone. Plano fell to Johnsburg, 25-11, 25-19. I'm a man of my word. That was a short and sweet win-lose stat. Lots of cool things going on, even in a condensed schedule. Man, I love doing win-lose stats, seeing what our area is doing, whether it's against each other or against other teams outside of the Edge of Your Seat podcast coverage area. Just a lot of things, amazingly, always happening. We already talked about the weather once. It's kind of getting a little colder, but yards still need to be taken care of. Still need to look good because there's not snow. You can still see your yard. You can still see the grass. There's people still outside. You're still having bonfires. You're still having people over. This means you want your lawn looking just as good as it should. Arteaga Tree Service and Landscaping is the definition of lawn beautification. The company offers tree removal lawn care, stump grinding, and spring and fall cleanup to residential and commercial customers. Arteaga Tree Service and Landscaping is fully insured and offers a senior citizen discount. Call 815-878-7504 for a free estimate from Arteaga Tree Service and Landscaping. And I don't know about you, but after I'm working on the yard or even watching someone else do the outdoor manicuring, I know I get hungry. Coming soon to the Little Joe's Gaming Cafe is a kitchen serving a variety of good eats. Go to Little Joe's located at 713 Illinois Ave in Mendota or call 815-538-4900 for more information. Bring It Back is back as we are rolling through Rolling Stone Magazine's top 500 albums of all time list. This time... You had us falling in love over at Edge of Your Seat Podcast, listening to Marvin Gaye. You voted, he won. 424 on the list, Beck Odelay from 1996. 423, Yola Tango, I Can Hear That Heart Beating is One from 1997. 422, Marvin Gaye, Let's Get It On from 1973. 
and 421 MIA Arular. And you guys voted for Marvin Gaye. He ran away with it. It was a close battle for second between Beck and MIA. Beck won by three votes. But Marvin Gaye, for the most part, destroyed every artist in this poll and may have beaten others in other polls because uh, cause you guys love some Marvin Gaye. And I already had a huge appreciation for him. Knew he was a great singer. Knew he had some great songs. But listen to this album. Made me like him even more. Made me want to listen to more of him. And I know I will. It's a great album. It's short. It's sweet. But it was really, really cool to listen to it. I actually put it on repeat and a couple long drives and a couple long assignments. I listened to it on repeat two, three times and didn't change a track. I never hit fast forward. Actually, I hit repeat on a couple of them and then went on. So we'll talk about Marvin Gaye, the person. Then we'll talk about the album. Let's get it on. We'll go through the track list and then we'll rank them. That's what we do here with Bring It Back. Marvin Gaye was actually born without the E. He added the E later on and we'll get into that. But Marvin Gaye Jr. was born April 2nd, 1939 passed away April 1st, 1984, one day before his 45th birthday. He was born in Washington, D.C. to Marvin Gaye Sr., that's without the E, so G-A-Y, who was a church minister, and his mother, Alberta Gaye, who was a domestic worker. They lived in the public housing project Fairfax Apartments, which is now demolished. He's the second oldest of four kids. He had two sisters and one brother, and then two half-brothers. He began singing in church at the age of four, a Pentecostal church. And at 11, he was in a school play, Mario Lanza's Be My Love. So he was already down as a young kid, singing in church, going on plays, doing performances, getting better and better as we go. Well-storied, he was beaten by his father. A quote from Marvin Gaye when he was a little older it was like living with a king, a very peculiar, challengeable, cruel, all-powerful king. He also said if his mom hadn't consoled him, supported him, continued to push him singing, that he had thought about or would have thought about committing suicide. 1953, the gays moved to East Capitol Dwelling Public Housing Project, where they lived until 1962. He joined a doo-wop vocal group in high school called the Dippers and the D.C. Tones. He dropped out of high school at the age of 17 and enlisted in the Air Force as a basic airman. He was unhappy, did not like the Air Force whatsoever. It is said that he lost his virginity to a local prostitute while he was in the service. That's pretty crazy, but he's not the first or the last to probably do that one. And to get out of the service because he hated it so much, he faked a mental health issue was given a general discharge. After Air Force, he formed a vocal quartet called the Marquis, worked with Bo Diddley, who has been on this list, and we have broken down a Bo Diddley album and spoken about the legend, music legend, Bo Diddley. But the Marquis worked with Bo Diddley, and Bo Diddley signed them to Okek Records. Their first single, Wyatt Earp, was co-written by Diddley. Unfortunately, it flopped, the Marquis then joined Harvey Fucow and became Harvey and the Moonglows instead of the Marquis. 
They moved to Chicago. They recorded a bunch of songs for Chess Records, which Bo Diddley was signed with, and became session singers for Chuck Berry. The group disbanded in 1960, where Gay then went to Detroit with Fucal to continue his career, where he signed with Tri-Fi Records as a session musician, playing the drums. He had a gig where he performed at Barry Gordy's holiday party. Barry Gordy, well known as the Motown president of the time. This was in December of 1960. Gordy wanted part of the contract, Marvin Gaye's contract that he had with Fucal. Fucal sold part of his interest that he had on the contract to Gordy. So then Gay was then part of Motown's subsidiary record label, Tamla. So he goes just to play some drums at a gig. Barry Gordy's like, man, this dude is the real deal and wants to buy in on his contract and does. Because Marvin Gaye really just wanted to play jazz music. Whether it was an instrument, maybe he would sing, but that's what he wanted to do. He didn't think anything about being an R&B singer. At the same time that all this is going on, this is when Gay adds the E to his name. So instead of G-A-Y, it's G-A-Y-E. He did it to silence the rumors of sexuality. People thought he was gay because his name was Gay. And to distance himself between him and his father. Lots of issues between Marvin Gaye Sr., Marvin Gaye Jr., which we'll later get to if you don't know the story already. His very, very, very first single was Let Your Conscious Be Your Guide in May of 1961. His first few songs had lackluster response, wasn't getting much traction, was not on the charts. So he played the drums for The Miracles, The Marvelettes, and Jimmy Reed making $5 a week, which now, in 2023, would be $50. So $50 a week. Imagine trying to survive on that. His song, Stubborn Kind of Fellow, came in 1962 and hit number 8 on the R&B charts and number 46 on the Billboard charts. In June 1963, Marvin Gaye got married to Anna Gordy, Barry Gordy's sister. However... They were divorced 14 years later in 1977. October 6, 1968, Gay sang the national anthem of the Game 4 World Series in Detroit between the Detroit Tigers and St. Louis Cardinals. October of 1977, he married Janice Hunter. So right after he gets divorced from Anna Gordy, he marries Janice Hunter, and they got divorced in 1981. He has three children. He had Marvin III, with Denise Gordy, who is the 16-year-old niece of Anna. So he's married to Anna Gordy. They don't have kids together, but he has a child with her niece, who at the time of the birth was 16 years old. That is a whole nother story for a whole nother podcast. Then he had two more children, Nona and Frankie, with Janice Hunter, his second wife. Late 1978, Gay's cocaine problem He was definitely into drinking alcohol, definitely into cocaine in the 70s and 80s. If you were a musician, it was hard not to develop a cocaine or a drinking problem because that's pretty much all you did. You played music while you were high and drunk and your whole everyday, all day routine was being high or drunk or both. A lot of times, both. But in late 1978, Gay's cocaine problem intensified 
and it ran into problems with the IRS. It was not paying his taxes, spending money on other endeavors, we'll call them. So he moves to Maui, Hawaii, working on a disco-influenced album, but he gets a little bit into it and decides to shelve the project. In 1980, he starts a Euro tour, which was the first one he had done in about four years. At the end of the tour, he decided to relocate to London because he feared imprisonment for failure to pay the back taxes. So 1980, he owed $4.5 million for taxes, which now in 2023 equates $16 million. In the fall of 1980, a master tape of the rough draft of an album he was working on called In Our Lifetime with a question mark from one of Gay's traveling musicians, Frank Blair, and gave it to Motown. So Frank Blair had this tape. It was stolen from him. That tape miraculously gets to Motown. Motown remixes it and released it on January 15th, 1981. Gay accused Motown of editing and remixing the album without his consent, allowing release of an unfinished production, the song Far Cry, altering album art, and removing the album's title with the question mark. They took the question mark off and just called In Our Lifetime. Also accused Motown of Rush releasing the album, and he vowed never to record for Motown, which he didn't. In February 1981, he moved to Ostend, Belgium. He slowed down his drug use, he began exercising and attending church, which helped with his personal confidence. Gay's attorney, Curtis Shaw, in quotes, Gay's stay in Osted was the best thing that ever happened to him. Marvin then announces he wants to make a music comeback. He wants to get back into doing what he does best, his pride and joy. Knowing that the Motown deal was not where he wanted to be, CBS Records pounces on the idea of having Marvin Gay on their label. So they work out a deal where... Marvin cuts ties with Motown and becomes part of CBS Records. The first non-Motown release, Midnight Love, which has sexual healing, the biggest successful number one hit song from Marvin Gaye, and it's known as the biggest R&B hit of the 1980s, which there's a ton of R&B hits in the 1980s, but this one just a little better than the rest. He's also called the number one purveyor of soul music. Barry White, Stevie Wonder, and Frankie Beverly all consider Marvin Gaye heavily influencers of their music. April 1st, 1984, a day that shook up the music world, and not just the musical world, Marvin Gaye was a part of a lot of things. Marvin Gaye tried to break up a fight between his parents at their house in Los Angeles. His father, Marvin Gaye Sr., and him began fighting. The father, the senior, shot Marvin Gaye the Jr. twice, once in the chest and then once in the shoulder. The shot in the chest, which was the first trigger pulled, pierced Marvin Gaye Jr.'s heart. The shooting took place in Gaye's room at 12.38 p.m. Marvin Gaye Jr. was pronounced dead at 1.01 p.m. Gaye Sr. was initially charged with first-degree murder, Charges were reduced to voluntary manslaughter following diagnosis of a brain tumor. He served six years and then died at a nursing home in 1998. 
probably should have died a lot sooner. I am never one for capital punishment or death penalties. But once you kill your own son and then go through a court process, you get a lesson charged. How is how does that even what does that even mean? That's so crazy. And they had problems their entire lives. He used to beat his son. Pretty much kill him without officially kill him. Like beat him, beat him. And Marvin Gaye went into his drug and alcohol problems because of how his father treated him. Marvin Gaye Jr. in 1987 was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. In April of 85, the Washington D.C. mayor at the time, Marion Barry, declared April 2nd as Marvin Gaye Jr. Memorial Scholarship Fund Day in Washington, D.C. Annual Marvin Gaye Day celebrations have continued ever since, including in 2023. The foundation that I just mentioned was founded by his mother, Alberta, for those suffering drug and alcohol issues. She died a day before the memorial was to open in 1987. In 1988, Marvin Gaye Jr., was inducted into the NAACP Hall of Fame. He has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. He won three Grammys while he was making music and alive, and in 1996 won a Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award. 2003, the album What's Going On was inducted into the Library of Congress to its National Recording Registry. 2005, Michigan Rock and Roll Legends Hall of Fame inducted Marvin Gaye. 2006, Watts, Branch Park in Washington, D.C., where Gaye frequently went to as a teenager, renamed it the Marvin Gaye Park. 2009, the 5200 block of Foot Street Northeast in Deanwood, Washington, was renamed the Marvin Gaye Way. 2014, Rhythm and Blues Music Hall of Fame inducted Marvin Gaye. 2016, the Songwriters Hall of Fame inducted Marvin Gaye. 2018, a bill by California politician Karen Bass to rename a post office in South Los Angeles after Gaye was signed into law by President Donald Trump. March 11, 2015, Gaye's family was awarded $7.4 million in damages following a decision by an eight-member jury in Los Angeles that Robin Thicke and Pharrell Williams, Pharrell, no, nobody ever calls him Pharrell Williams, Pharrell had breached copyright by incorporating part of gay song Got to Give Up into their hit Blurred Lines. U.S. District Judge John Kronstadt reduced the sum to $5.3 million while adding royalties. Quite the life for a musician who had 17 studio albums, six collaborative albums, five albums after he passed, six live albums, and was in four films. He had 13 number one hits on the Billboard Top 100. There's lots of biopic films that have been proposed, but none have happened, although Dr. Dre was greenlighted to produce a Marvin Gaye film by Universal Studios. Wow, going through this stuff, I learned so much about Marvin Gaye that I did not know. I know I probably should have knew that it was his father that killed him. I knew he was shot. I know he didn't die of natural causes or disease or anything like that. I knew he was shot, but didn't really realize the family drama that had lasted 44 years and 364 days. 
one day shy of 45, and he had to deal with his father and the beating and the abuse and eventually getting shot. Didn't know he went through all that. And 17 albums in a good 20-year career. Hats off. What a great musician. What a great voice. Does your driver need a new grip? 7-iron need a new head. Putter need to be replaced. Want to play a simulator during rainy, cold days? Sports Boss Golf is your one-stop shop for everything golf. Located at 2950 Kane Road in Leland, Sports Boss has over 10,000 used clubs and new clubs for sale. Owner Mark Wright rebuilds, repairs, replenishes the value of every club in his own shop. Want a Callaway? Sports Boss has it. A Bettinardi, Bridgestone, Cleveland, Cobra, Exotics, Crank, Mizuno, Odyssey, Puma, Strixon, TaylorMade, Tor Edge, Wilson. Woof! Sports Boss has a partnership with each one of those top brands. Check out Sports Boss Golf Shop on Facebook or call Sports Boss Golf at 815-326-9686 or email sportsboss777 at gmail.com to book simulator time, inquire about repairing or purchasing clubs, and any other of your golf needs. Let's get it on Marvin Gaye's 13th of 17 albums. 422 on the Rolling Stone Magazine's all-time greatest list of 500 albums. It was released August 28, 1973 by Tamla Records. Only eight tracks lasting 31 minutes and 36 seconds. The album was recorded in both Detroit and Los Angeles. This album is his first where he dives into funk music, smooth soul, doo-wop, very sexually aggressive, puts all those elements into one. It has been quoted as one of the most sexually charged albums ever recorded. Dives into concepts of where sex is spiritually healing. It's romantic. And the songs that he talk about, he sings, is a way of coping with his childhood abuses. There's three singles from the album. Let's Get It On from June 15th, 1975. Was number one on the charts. If you have not heard this song, man, we'll get into that in a second, but man. Come Get to This, October 11th, 1973, hit number 23 on the charts, and You Sure Love to Ball from January 2nd, 1974, was number 50 on the charts. This album, Let's Get It On, is the best-selling album for Gay while he is with Motown. It hit number two on the U.S. Billboard chart, and charted for 61 weeks. With the promotion of the album, the sexual content, it garnered Gay becoming a sex icon in the entire country. If you thought about Marvin Gaye, you thought about his songs such as Let's Get It On, he became a sex icon. This album also made some sound changes within Motown. There was the Motown sound that everybody knew they were famous for, but it was starting to get old and people weren't buying into it as much as they once were. So with this album, they started doing a couple different things. Free flowing songs, songs connecting meeting together, different arrangements, different music, more of a funk flow. And it helped, obviously, number two on the charts. And this album is on pretty much every list known to man, not just Rolling Stone magazines, but every magazine, every 
organization that has a top list of anything that deals with R&B music, soul music. This album from Marvin Gaye is on it. So let's get to the tracks that are on this album. Marvin Gaye wrote or co-wrote all eight of these songs. Starting with the title track as the first track of the album. Let's get it on. It's iconic. What I was about to say, but I cut myself off because I knew I was going to say it again. If you haven't heard this song, A Rock Is Your Address. It is iconic. Capital letters. Underlined. Bold. Colorful. Whatever you want it to be. This is the biggest, broadest. That's how iconic this song is. It's everywhere. All kinds of movies. All kinds of soundtracks. You play this anywhere. It doesn't matter the age group, demographics, race. Well, any of that, you know the song. Everybody knows it. It's soulful. The melody, the ad-libs going on in the back are just masterfully done. And it's just joy to listen to. It's just simply joyous. It's a sign of why music and making love are enjoyable. And Marvin Gaye made sure he was a huge part of that. Number two, please stay once you go away. He's begging his lady to stay. Can't sleep without you. I don't want to be insecure. It's just not the same without you. It just isn't. And the music, the melodies, pure 70s funk. Number three, If I Should Die Tonight. It's a ballad. It's very, very slow. Gay wrote this song after an encounter with a woman he admired from afar. When he talked to her, she told him, we can't build our happiness on the misery of others as both of them were in relationships. She was a smart woman, said, no, we ain't playing that. Track number four, Keep Getting It On. It's pretty much a Let's Get It On part two. Joyous, soulful, let's keep making love. Track five, Come Get To This. Originally wrote in 1970, came around again for this album, that Motown sound. Gay altered the song to be a warm-up for the song, Let's Get It On. So, you know what? come get to this really means track six distant lover as soon as i heard the song a couple seconds into it i'm like i've heard this before i know it i know it i know it and three seconds later after that bam kanye west popped in my head kanye west sampled this for the song spaceship which is one of my favorite kanye west songs but as soon as i heard it i knew i'd heard the song before not that song by Marvin Gaye, but the tone, the melody, the xylophone, or that little little more better melody than my own here, but similar. You know it's that song as soon as you hear it, if you know Kanye West's Spaceship. Distant Lover from Marvin Gaye was actually first titled Head Title. Then it was reworked several times in 1970. It is about a lover who is far away. You're thinking about her. And you're telling her to think about me. Pray for me. Think about me. Well put together song. And it just happens to be awesome that I knew it was sampled in about three notes. It was pretty cool. Track number seven. You sure love to ball. There's moans on the track. Kind of porno vibe-ish. And to find out ball is a slang term for sex. Or it was a slang term for sex in the 70s. Not now. I've never heard anybody say that. Track eight, just to keep you satisfied. It starts with what he did to satisfy her. Like, hey, I was here for you there. I was here for you this. You know, we did that. 
I forget about it once we get in the bed. But the mental strain, the hurt that you've caused me, ruined the relationship. And although we're apart, I'll still always be there for you. It's crazy how those things work, those relationship things, I tell you. Now my funnest but hardest part of this is ranking the songs. We'll just start at the the top, the tippity top number one and work our way down. If you did not think it's Let's Get It On, then you don't know what you're talking about. Because number one, Let's Get It On, iconic. The melodies, the ad-libs, the just absolutely everything in this song just flows so well. It's great. Number two, Please Stay Once You Go Away was five. It was okay. It wasn't bad. I put it in the middle. Track number three, If I Should Die Tonight, just really slow and sappy for my taste, my liking. It won't be on a playlist, but I would never be like, ugh, I don't want to hear that again. I just didn't like it on this album with all these other songs. It was the worst to me. Number four, Keep Getting It On. Number three, there's not much more to this than Let's Get It On, but it's still a happy song. The vibe is cool. Positive vibes. It was awesome to listen to. I did listen to this one on repeat quite a few times. Number five, Come Get To This. I got it at number two. I just loved how it flowed. The music was cool. Harmonies and just another way to say what he's been trying to say. And then he alters it to get to that point. So I liked the transition, I liked the progress, and a musician doing musician creative things. Number six, Distant Lover, I got it number four. It's cool that I recognize that Kanye West sampled it, but the song itself, it's just kind of, um, I don't want to say stagnant, or what's that word? Monotone. It's kind of like a monotone song. Sure, it's joyous and it's got like a, a good uplifting sound feel to it, But it's monotone in the fact that it's just this one sound and you just kind of get lost or you get stuck or you're like, man, does anything change here? That's how I felt, but I do like it. Like it a lot, actually. I like what it's talking about. You know, hey, I've loved you for a long time, but you're over there. You're doing your thing. I'm over here. We can't really link. A lot of us got people like that, like, hey, well, what if this would have happened? And, you know, distant but I want to be with you, but I can't, you know, that kind of deal. So you relate to it, and although it's monotone, it's not a bad melody. I mean, like I said, one of my favorite Kanye West songs, that, and he snagged it from this. So a great blueprint to, you know, a great song, just I wasn't feeling it. So I, it's at the middle of the pack. It's four. Number seven, you sure love to ball. I mean, it, it's cool, just the the groans and the moans and that kind of stuff on a track, even though I'm a guy and say all those things you want to. I mean, there's a time and place for that. And I, I don't really think a chart topping album needs something like that on it. Call me old school. Call me what you want to. Just, I didn't really have a lot of place for it on this album. And number eight, just to keep you satisfied, I went with six. Uh, the melody was cool. Music part was all right. I related with the words. It was cool. Just not as good as the ones that I have above it, but better than the ones that I really didn't like to listen to at all. I did listen to Just to Keep You Satisfied quite a few times to see if I could get a better opinion of it, and I really didn't. That is Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On, an album created, then released in 1973, and has captivated, has stolen the hearts, 
the love for many people for many decades. Such a great album. So glad you guys voted for this and I got a chance to check out everything about Marvin Gaye and this album. We're going to end it right here. Get to our guest, Christian Soderholm, Tim Cotton Jim, and Scott Payne. Thank you for listening. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for involving yourself with the Bring It Back polls and being part of this podcast. Much appreciated. Keep listening. We'll be here always. Until next time. Peace. I had to hit the record button. Me and my guest for this episode, we could sit here and talk all day and all podcast worthy. And that's what just happened. I'm like, oh, let's hold on. Hold on. Let me hit the button. So we are Christian Soderholm, friend of Edge of Your Seat podcast. We're going on like four or five times at this point, but it's always great to chat with you and have you on Edge of Your Seat podcast, my man. Yeah, it's good to be back, Brian. Good to talk to you back in the States. So, uh, yeah, let's get into it. We will talk about your trip, your journey to Australia, but I want to dive back in what we were just discussing. You come back to the area, the Illinois Valley, and instantly start winning things as you were part of a winning volleyball team in a tournament recently, and you had another tall partner that you have played sports with before in Isaiah Tubbs. Yeah, obviously, you know, played basketball for years with Isaiah, one of my good buddies. Uh, yeah, it's fun. We, gosh, we've been playing sand volleyball for, I don't know, ever since you graduated high school now. So every summer, it's it's fun to get to get together and still play and get that competitive uh, spirit during the summer. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, we were down at Riverfront. Um, won that tournament this weekend. That was that was fun. Some people didn't like that. Uh, I wasn't there for the whole regular season to play, but I was like, hey, man, sorry. I was, I was in a different country. I couldn't help it. You know, <laughs> hope you understand. Sorry I couldn't take a plane from Australia to come back and play in this tournament. My bad, my bad. Yeah, I would have, would have loved to be there every Sunday, but that would have been expensive. <laughs> That's awesome. And we were also talking about the height advantage that you and Isaiah might have over other teams. Yeah, we're definitely uh, not vertically challenged. We've been blessed with good genes. So, yeah, that makes it a little bit easier. One of the moms I work with, her husband, he was kind of on the, on the sidelines watching our games, and I just hear, after I had, like, a kill, he was like, hey, there shouldn't be professional athletes allowed in this thing. And I was just yanking my chain, but it was funny. <laughs> I mean, it is kind of an unfair advantage if you're on the other team, but there's no rules that say, hey, you can't be taller than here, or hey, you can't have a career playing a sport. That's it, not in the rules. It's not in the rules, yeah. There's plenty of guys out there taller than me still, so, you know. Playing basketball, you know, college and overseas and whatever, like, I'm, I don't even feel like I'm, not t- I'm that tall, because I'm never the tallest guy, you know. There's always handful of guys that are still even taller than me so i don't know I, I don't i don't walk around and feel like i'm as tall as i am until it's pointed out you were looking at a, a pamphlet or it would say i'm six six in the court but i'm like a true six five no shoes and then isaiah is probably like a six six yeah he's a true six six yeah you'd be listed as six seven he does this thing i've told the story to a couple people isaiah does this thing it makes me so mad We'll, we'll be out somewhere and it's like I walk into a place like let's say we walk into, into like a bar and like I kind of walk into ahead of them I'm talking to people I haven't talked to in a while whatever and like some like new people come up they're like oh my gosh like you're super tall like how tall are you 
I'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm like 6'5". They're like, wow, wow. And then Tubbs will show up. And they're like, oh, my gosh, you're even taller. How tall are you? And Tubbs will go like, Tubbs will go, oh, yeah, I'm 6'2". So when everyone darts back at me like, oh, you're not 6'1", like, because he's taller than me. And I just look like, I'm just, ah. Now I do the same thing. I've just stolen his joke. I'm tired of it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm like 6'1". And you can and you can say that like some people if it's like a girl who's like five four they just like they have no concept of how tall tall is so I'll be like oh yeah I'm like six one they'll just be like oh yeah nice cool like they'll just <laughs> they just have no concept concept of it so it's funny that is hilarious it's like the master flex yeah yeah <laughs> I had to steal from tubs because I was tired of just like getting looked at like I'm lying about my height it's like why would I need to lie about my height. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. that's great I gotta get Isaiah on this show I know we talked about it before when he was assistant coach at Fieldcrest I know he moved on last season I think he was at Rock Falls Rock Island Rock Island there yeah, you go yeah he's big time now yeah so I gotta talk to him I gotta get him on here but I kinda do the same thing or when you were talking about you know girls sometimes they don't know or people don't know I am like five, eleven, and three quarters, something like that. So I just round up, say six. Like it doesn't matter. It's like not life or death if I tell people I'm six foot instead of five eleven. So I'll just say six. And there was one time I was at a wedding, a wedding reception, and this guy asked me how tall I was, and I just said six. He's like, "Oh no, you're not. I'm six foot, and you're at least a half inch shorter than me." And started like flexing on me, and like his puffing his chest up and getting all mad. I'm like, "Bro, sorry, I'm five eight. Like I just said a random number. I'm like, dude, I'm five eight. No big deal. Like it's not like it's life or death or a lottery number for winning three million dollars of how tall I am. I was like, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I've found guys that kind of flirt around that six foot market really defensive without uh, without with their height. If they're like, I, it's like okay, like what you got me by a half inch, like cool. I'm just like, let me say six. Well, I don't know why it's such a big deal. Yeah, I don't, I, know. I don't get it. I'm cool. Like, I guess I could just say five eleven, but it's just easier. Like, hey, six. You know, it's kind of like a, you know, we make abbreviations for everything or whatever. Instead of yeah. saying five eleven and three fourths, like, hey, I'm six foot. You know, whatever. Yeah, I would just get ahead of it. Sometimes I'd just be like, like I'm just I'm that close to six foot, so I just say like, why not? Like in shoes, like just I don't know. Yeah, some guys make a big deal about it. Definitely, and there's sometimes like I'll go around family on Christmas or something, and I'm wearing a different pair of shoes. They're like, Brandon, you've gotten a lot taller. Like, no, <laughs> no, no, I really haven't. <laughs> yeah. I get that every time I have it. Like, if it's family I haven't seen in a while, like, oh my gosh, growing. It's like, no, nah, it's just been three months. I'm, st- I'm still tall. I was this tall three months ago. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. If I was still growing at 25, I'd love it, but I don't think I am. I don't think you are either, sir. I don't think you are. But yeah. your game, basketball game, has grown quite substantially in the last few years, including this past season. You were in Australia. We did a podcast. It's going to be right out before this one. We're going to do another two-parter, part one, part two. And you were in Australia, and I've seen some of the stats. I'm like, man, 25 points, 16 rebounds, 24 points, 17 rebounds. Like, every single game was a double-double. Kind of proud of myself. That's kind of like my mark I want to hit every game, you know. Got to at least be getting that double-double. 
you know, look at the stat sheets at the end of every quarter or whatever, and I'll be glancing at it. I feel like coach thinks I'm looking at my points or whatever. No, I'm just I'm seeing how many rebounds I have. <laughs> but I'm more worried about the points will come. But, yeah, man, it was fun. Had a pretty good year statistically. Enjoyed it. It was pretty cool. It's interesting looking at different styles. Obviously, you know, played here all my life in the States and then, you know, played in Malta for a year and then going to Australia. Like, it's all it's all basketball. It's all the same sport, but it's it's so different in its own right. So, yeah, it's been, it's been pretty cool. It was fun. What was the major difference from Australia, from the United States style of basketball? Europe, I'll say, is like, you take a lot more pride in, like, defense and everything. And Australians, they just love to score. So it'd be a lot faster pace of play. So my league, I had 10 teams, and I would say most of them were averaging, you know, 80-plus. Most teams, they just like to get up and down. There was a few teams that would, like, one or two in the whole league that, like, they're like, okay, like, we're going to try to slow the pace of play, dictate the game. Other than that, teams just wanted to get up and down, which I guess is somewhat similar to, like, how college moves sometimes or has been moving towards just everyone wants to score, score, score. But as for college for me especially, it was a lot odd. You know, we're going to come down, we're going to work through our set if we need to, like, you know, get our fast break opportunities when we can. Um, but, you know, we're going to lock down and take pride in defense as well. Not that they don't take pride in defense, but... Pride on defense at another level. Yeah. For sure. And I'm seeing yeah, the uh, getting up and down the court more on a high school level now, too. If you have depth at all, I'm seeing a lot of teams doing a whole, you know, pretty much a whole lineup change, five on, five off, and just so they have the conditioning to run up and down, chuck threes, and just keep going. I'm seeing that more and more every every season. It was just a thing that I saw with um, Reed Custer. Reed Custer does it every year. They had like three or four three-point shooters. He put one in the second unit, and it would just be five Five on, five off, like every two, three minutes, and they just they didn't stop running. It was run, chuck, run, chuck, run, chuck, and I'm seeing it every year. Yeah, you got to be at least ten deep for that, which I'd say most people aren't. Uh, not just even in the area, just it's tough to find ten guys you can trust. I don't know. Especially um, in high school. Yeah, and especially like you know, you're five on and five off. It's like okay, we got our say. You got you know two or three guys. But like you can rotate guys around them and. That's fine. Yeah, going five and five. Yeah, like you said, I guess it's kind of a little more prevalent. The only uh, the big one what was it, Coach Cal? I think that did that one year at Kentucky with like they had like Boogie and AD or whatever that team consisted of. That's one of my favorite things is looking back at some teams. Like it happens to me with more with college football because I don't follow follow college football as closely as college basketball. I look back at some of these college football teams and I'm just like, holy crap, I know all of these players, but I knew none of them when they were in college. <laughs> just because I watch out of much. But yeah, sometimes it's funny. Definitely. I did that, so I watched the documentary about Stefan Marbury, and I went back and watched games of the Minnesota Timberwolves with Stefan and Kevin Garnett, and man, yeah. <laughs> I forgot how fun that team was to watch. Yeah. Yeah, true. I love that stuff just for trivia. Me and my buddies were big into the trivia stuff, and there's like a, a trivia show we always watch on YouTube that like Barstool puts out. And now they've got like this daily trivia game. It'll be like you know NFL, MLB, NBA, 
lot of sports and a lot of random other stuff. So we try to stay fresh with our trivia and just random stuff like that. It's fun. It's like, oh, I totally forgot about this random player that played on this team. Then it's funny. He was there for one season, played in five games. Yeah, exactly. Being that you were in Australia this year, last year you were in the island of Malta, not Malta, Illinois, right outside of DeKalb. I'd say that to you every single time. I don't know why I get a kick out of that. <laughs> but the island of Malta last year, this year Australia. What was the difference between there? Which league did you enjoy playing in more? Well, that's a good question. Totally different. Team in Malta, we, we kind of we dominated a little bit more. We were winning a little bit more. So from that aspect, it was more, it was more fun. Yeah, I don't know. I enjoyed the guys on both teams. Um, you know, you just you're with the guys for so much time and practices and, and games and everything and trips and going to and from games. Uh, obviously, build relationships and stuff, and that's that's the part of it that makes it fun. I'm just kind of like picking these guys' brains that just live totally different sides of the world. It's like picking your favorite kid, I guess. I don't know. I was able to travel around a bit in Australia too, which made it super fun. Based around the Melbourne area, I was able to go to Sydney and Brisbane, Gold Coast, and I took a trip to trip up to Bali too. That was pretty cool. Got a chance to go there. It's Bali's so cheap. It's a, like it's it's really just a flight getting there. A cheap vacation, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to pick. I enjoyed them both a lot. Um, for their different uh, you know things that they had to offer, different experiences. Um, just grateful for. All of it, you know, it's super cool to just be able to do this. And something I, you know, kind of got to put in perspective. Not a ton of people get the opportunity and chance to do all this. So I just kind of enjoy it as it happens. Um, trying not to let it go by too quickly. Just soaking it all in. So it's been fun. I like how you touched on that, though, because not only are you playing basketball in these different areas, different countries, but you also get to sightsee. You're seeing things that, like I said, a lot of people don't get to see, you know, having these life experiences that without basketball you might not be able to have. I mean, that's got to be really awesome as well. Yeah, it's cool that just kind of, you know, playing with this ball has kind of just been this outlet for me to do and experience all these cool different things, so... Yeah, I, I love phrasing it like that too. It's just practicing. I'm so, yep, I'm just, you know, just playing with the ball. You know, it's no different than I was four years old. Just a little bit better at it now. <laughs> <laughs> and a little bit taller, as we already touched on. Yeah, true. He grew. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. I mean, well, you come from a tall family. Your dad's tall. Your brother Jens is tall. All of you are pretty tall. Yeah. Yeah, dad. He used to be 6'7. He's. I'm slowly catching him, or he's catching me. I don't know, however you want to look at it. Um, but, yeah, Mom's 5'9". Jen's is, he says he's like 6'3", but I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the brother uh, burn. Got to have that in on a podcast. Of course, of course. Got to take subtle subtle shots. Hear from everyone, they're like, you better not. So I'm not seeing anyone or anything. Like, you better not marry some short girl. I'm like, no, I wouldn't do that to my kids. <laughs> not just for me because hey you know there are shorter cute women but you know i want my yeah, kids yeah, to be yeah. tall. nothing against them i'm just i'm thinking about the you know the gene pool down my road i would love for my kids to be taller than me that would be great i say that now but just knowing like i'm greedy right i'm six five i'm always like man i would love to be six eight <laughs> so <laughs> Maybe one of my kids will get there. There you go. There you go. 
Uh, These hypothetical kids we're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. That I'm years away from, but... (laughs) (laughs) They're, right now, they're like negative 10 years old. Exactly. (laughs) You know, you always got to ask this question, especially when you come back from Australia, you're at home. What's next? Are you going to try to put out another contract? Or, you know, what's what's next for Christian Soderholm? Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of a question I've been asking myself as of late, to be honest. Yeah, I've been kicking around what I've been thinking moving forward. You know, it's been super fun, the experiences we've talked about. But in the same sense, I don't know, I sat down and made a whole pros and cons sheet moving forward. It is always just random injuries popping up, and uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm older, I'm older than I am. You know, I'm only 25, I'm talking about, oh, this is hurting, that's hurting. But yeah, I don't know, kind of leaning towards hanging it up, you know, settling, settling down a bit into a real career if you wish we'll see i'm i'm not fully committed on being done but as far as moving forward for like if it would be a next season it, it wouldn't be europe um kind of missed the boat on signing over there just coming back late um so i would potentially be back to australia if i decided i kind of have until october november we're gonna see how the body's going down see how much i'm really missing it from that aspect and and if I decide uh, uh, I wanted to find a full-time something or another as far as working, not with the ball. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll see. Um, leaning more towards, you know, being being good with being done playing. Um, I know there's still interest out there for me if, uh, if I want to keep playing. Um, so it's nice to just be able to kind of make this decision on my own terms. It's kind of where I'm at. It's kind of around about answer no answer i don't know but yeah that's where my head's at well if i ever jump into any tournaments whatsoever you're going to be the first person that i think to call like hey he might not be doing anything i need a <laughs> six five we'll list him at six six guy on the roster there you go gotta give me that six six no one no one will say anything unless there's a six six dude and i'll be like oh hey you know how we do it you know you just get the, the roster inch Exactly, exactly. If you did decide to go into a career, what are some things that you might be interested in? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so my degree is in sports management. It's funny, since I've been back, people are asking me, you know, are you going to keep playing, doing this? Um, and when I kind of lean towards that, no, they're like, oh, so like, are you going to go to school? I'm like, no, I did that. <laughs> Like, hey, did you forget that I played in college? Like, that's what I did. Yeah. Like, I I did that before. All of this. So, and if I look back now, like, I I think I would want to change my degree. Every every time I'd come home, I'd be bartending. Uh, And I love, you know, the social aspect, communicating, and, you know, talking to people. Like, very personable um, in that regard. So, in that aspect, sales stuff kind of interests me. You get that incentive, and I kind of get that. I'm not sensitive, I guess, what you, what you get from sports and stuff, like you're trying to work for, towards something, you got to earn this and that, and it's, you know, got to put the work in to see the results, so that interests me. Um, also, very passionate about health and wellness, and that kind of goes hand-in-hand for what I've been doing throughout basketball and stuff moving forward, and I love talking to people about that. Um, any way I can help improve someone's quality of life, whether it be from exercise or or anything. I love chatting about that. 
So considering also doing that, kind of getting my certi- certifications for that stuff, kind of giving myself to the end of the summer, a couple months being back, winding down, figure out what uh, what direction I want to head towards. So we'll see. To be determined right now. Kind of surprised, kind of not surprised that you didn't throw coaching out there. Usually a athlete that goes on any kind of professional run, like that's one of the first things that popped up. Like, hey, you know, I thought about going into coaching. You have not said that word at all. I don't know. I feel like that's the easy way out for not, not that it is, coaching is easy. No disrespect to any coaches because, my gosh, it's, uh, yeah, you got to really be invested. And, I mean, I helped Jens out with the sophomore team at LP last year, assisted there. He's going to be uh, helping assist now new head coach John Seneca at LP on varsity this year. And John does want me to come up on board. I don't want to fully commit yet because I don't know what I'm going to be doing for work, you know, come November, December. So I don't know what the schedule's going to look like. I don't want to fully give him my, uh, my word right now, but... I told him I'd help out at minimal on a volunteer basis. Because, yeah, I mean, I obviously still do love the game, love being around it, and I love, I'd love to be able to, you know, teach what, I, what I've seen and what I've been through to all these other kids. Um, you know, you just look at the game a little bit differently. And I think that, uh, you know, I was only nine, ten years ago. I don't know, geez, it's getting old. The number was bigger than I thought it was going to be when I said it. Or it was bigger, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I was in their shoes not too long ago is what I'm, what I'm trying to get at. So I can see it through my eyes now and through kind of how I uh, was looking at the game then too and kind of try to meet in the middle to help them understand it more before I get too old and become that old, old head coach. You're a long, long, long <laughs> ways away from that, my friend. I know, I know. Yeah, I start talking on the wrong crowd, and they're like, buddy, you're 25. Come on. I'm like, yeah, you're, yeah they kind of put it in perspective for me. So. Yeah. I'm 13 years older than you and still not at your level by any means, but still try to do all the same stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. You have long so, we'll see. Uh, we will be coaching in some capacity. Um, and whether uh, I take a leap beyond that, we'll see. Yeah, everyone always asks me about that, talks to me about it, because – yeah, you're right. It is the easy pivot um, to stay involved. I just got, I don't want to, you know, be one foot in, one foot out if I'm doing it. I really want to be committed in there and give it my all if I decide to do something like that. Gotcha. So it sounds like you're going to take these next two months and just kind of think all your options through, enjoy life, and, you know, figure it out when it comes. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's well said. Not rushed anything. Uh, kind of enjoying being back with. You know, seeing the family, see, I, I haven't even seen my dad yet. He's been down in Arkansas for work. He left the day before I flew back home, so I think he'll be home after this weekend. So, but yeah, it's been good to just see family, see friends, catching back up, enjoying stuff. I uh, just came home. One of the first of the boys, he went down. He had a wedding a few weeks ago. Another one coming up at the end of September. So that's also part of the decision, too. It's like, you know, I got... Oh, you know, my friends are growing up. I'm growing up. You know, things are happening. People are getting married. People are buying houses. People are getting, diving into their careers and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe it's time to start thinking about that, too. Oh, life and all the avenues it presents, right? I'm telling you, there's a lot to offer, a lot of different options. 
No doubt. I'm sure you'll make the right one. Just take some time sometimes, you know? Yeah. And, you know, whatever I jump into now, we can always pivot. Nothing's final, you know? That's what it's... I like to keep it open mind, you know? It's, we can always uh, do something else, so... No doubt. And you have all these experiences through basketball that you'll be able to tell people whatever direction you decide to choose. So you're just building a background for storytelling, you know? Yeah, I'd like to think so. Yeah, definitely got some unique stories, uh, places and things. And yeah, that's pretty cool. You got a unique variety that not a lot of other people have, especially in the Illinois Valley. Yeah, it's very true. Part of that's kind of been my favorite part of it all, just diving into different cultures and just, you know, you can look at things, you can watch videos, you can read whatever, but until you're really immersed in different places, you really develop a greater uh, appreciation or understanding for different things. So that's that's been fun. Grateful for all the, those experiences. Christian Soderholm, always a friend of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. I'm interested to see what you do next. Any route you take, like I said, I'm sure you're going to pick the right one that's best for you. So have fun. Take your time. Enjoy the summer. Summer, man, it's already August. It's so crazy. Life is just flying uh, by. I know. Let, let me tell. <laughs> uh, I hate the people that are just, so oh, August 1st, fall already. I'm like, no. It was, it was winter in Australia when I left. Let me enjoy all the summer I can <laughs> because... It was cold and rainy where I was leaving from, so yeah, it's nice to be back in summer. So late summer through September like it was last year. No doubt. I mean, Thanksgiving rolled around, and I was out on the porch talking to my grandfather in shorts and a short sleeve T-shirt. So you got some nice weather for a couple months at least. Yeah, we're going to be all right. I'm, I'm pumped about it. I already got my base tan going. We got some color back. We're feeling good. It's warm. We're happy. the base tan that seems like a great place to leave this one off (laughs) Christian as always man thanks for joining the NGRC podcast thanks for having me Brandon surf internet's fast fiber internet is more reliable and 25 times faster than cable unlike other local providers we're proud to provide transparent all in pricing that includes equipment fees and taxes With speed packages starting at $35 a month, you'll get a free modem, free expert installation, and free whole home Wi-Fi on most plans. Plus, no contracts and no data caps at a price that's locked in for life. Go to surfinternet.com to learn more or call 844-955-SURF for details. That's 844-955-SURF. Limited time offer, restrictions apply. It is the fall, school's in session, sports are in session, so you know this means the IVCC soccer program in full motion. Got to talk to the men's soccer coach, Tim Cotton Jim. Coach, how are you doing, my friend? Doing well. Appreciate you reaching out and uh, getting out of the podcast. Thank you. Always, man. We did this last year, had a great time, and you had a really solid squad last year. I know you want to repeat the success coming into this year. Definitely. Uh, you know, we got our first conference championship last year. You know, hopefully we can do that again and uh, hopefully take a step further and win the region, which is tougher. It's 21 teams, you know, uh, so we'll see how that goes. And, uh, you know, but I've got, I feel pretty good about the team. And if I remember right, this was the first Arrowhead Conference Soccer Championship. 
I think that actually it's the second year that they've had the men's championship because we uh, the first year though we were D three still, so it was a little harder for us to compete, you know. But uh, last year you know be on a level playing field, everyone was D two. We uh, actually won us, so undefeated. So that was great. Good stuff. You were undefeated in the conference as well. You just mentioned. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, there's only four teams. You just go around once three and zero, but you know you still have to win them. So. So who do we have on this year's team? A lot of returnees. Well, I think we have 10 or 11 back from last year, which is really good uh, jumping off point just had from experience you know, perspective. You know, So I mean, we got a, our goalkeeper back, Colin Hart, and he's uh, you know very solid in there. It's kind of like a steady force back there. We have uh, our uh, center defender. He's in his third year, actually, because he caught an ACL injury in his first year. And then uh, so now he's in his second uh, year playing for us, uh, third year here. And that's uh, Chico Pereira, and he's going to be very solid for us as a center defender. Um, Tyrese Bejnov is back, you know, as one of our wingers. He's real good South African guy. I mean, just really fast, really good with the ball, very technical. And uh, he's going to be you know, one of our main attacking players for sure. And then we also have uh, up top of that forward, Tyler Malconi. He is, uh, you know, a forward. Uh, he was there last year, had a real solid year, played most of the year with a torn labrum. So he had surgery in the offseason. He's healthy now, and he looks really good. Scored two goals, had one assist last night in our opener. So, Good stuff. And the opener was today being August. Man, these days are running by. Yeah, so I'm telling you, I agree. They're really flying by. <laughs> right? Today, August 24th. Yesterday, August 23rd, the start of the season. You got a match in already. And it sounds like you're pretty happy with the direction of your team. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, uh, we got a good result yesterday, 6-0 win, so that was good to start the season like that, you know, and uh, but more than that, I mean, this is the way they played, I, I was real happy, we played very patiently, you know, not trying to do everything all at once, you know, and uh, just really nice uh, possession of the ball, you know, and just really uh, a good, hard-working group of players, which is really beneficial, you know, in a long season, you, and we have a lot of depth this year, so it's really going to help out, you know, probably have 17, 18 real solid players that I'm comfortable with at this point, so it's really... The outlook is very optimistic, I would say. Definitely. And you know when we do these preseason interviews, I always ask you about local players, and I know you got quite a few from Mendota. Yeah, Mendota was like a jackpot for us this year. We got four uh, from Mendota. We got the Jonathan Cortez, who's like a central midfielder, you know, both defensive and attacking. Very good, very technical player. I mean, scores, distributes the ball, you know, recovers the ball. Just a really hardworking player. Uh, we got Hasiel Watson, who's uh, out on the wing for us. He scored a goal last night. Both John and Hasiel both scored a goal last night. David Garcia, who's just amazing, you know, coming off a year where he missed his senior year. I mean, he's just like, it is just really, he does things you just really can't teach. He's just very instinctual. And then we also have Martin Morillo, who's one of our backup uh, goalkeepers. So, yeah, it's been great uh, for the local players. Also, we have uh, another really good local player, George Martinez from LP, who's done a fantastic job for us out of uh, fullback. So really happy with that. It's been, been a couple of years since we had a really strong crop of local players, so I'm very happy with that. With so many returning and local players, how was the team dynamic, you know, start of the practices and, you know, most of them know each other, but, you know, you do have players that are, you know, from different countries away from here. How was the gelling process coming into the season? Well, that probably been one of the better things I would say this year. I mean, uh, as compared to like the last couple of years, like we seem to have a better team culture, um, you know, more respect all the way around for all the players within the whole unit, you know, and I'm, I'm really happy with the culture so far. I'm hoping they can pull it together for the whole season. And uh, yeah, you know, when you hit adversity, then you kind of see what you're made of, but so far so good, you know. Good stuff. 
Always like to hear that. So far, so good. I mean, that's a good omen for a team. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get too far ahead. You know I mean? I, I, like I said, I'm very, I, there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic, you know, but we still got to go out there and prove it every day. So, and, and you know, we will. I think uh, I feel good about, you know, where we're at right now as far as uh, from the start of the season progressing to now. So, I mean, hopefully we'll just keep progressing at that rate. If we do, I think we'll be, we'll be in good shape. Good stuff. And looking at the roster, it looks like you're pretty deep, too. I mean, you got players that have played for so long and, you know, from all over the place. Seems like you're deep. So, unfortunately, that word injury, we never want to say it, never want to think about it, but it does happen, especially in soccer. And it looks like you got enough depth to help carry you through any, you know, crazy injuries. Yeah, that's probably the biggest difference in the last couple of years is that we do have some depth if that happens. And, of course, this year we haven't had an injury, so that's good, too. <laughs> but if it does, does occur, we certainly get the players who can fill in there and uh, pick up the slack for us. And we are uh, very fortunate in that regard because that's something we struggled with the last couple of years. Just, you know, you know, we do have to get deeper into the roster. It's a little bit of a fall off. And this year I don't think we have that, that issue at all. So. Good stuff. And it sounds like... You know, you're excited about this season. I mean, you spent a lot of time in soccer, high school levels, been at IVCC for a few years now, and it seems like you're excited, ready for the season to kick off and continue now that it's already started. Yeah, it's like, it kind of you know, sneaks up on you when you're in the summer, you know, you're kind of like putting on the last touches on the recruiting. It's like, you know, all of a sudden you're here, and I haven't really had time to like, kind of like, you know, think about it, but, you know, I definitely excited. I mean, this, uh, you know, I, I feel like our team last year was one of the better teams in the region. You know, uh, we didn't, you know, fulfill that potential. I think, you know, as we got in the middle of the season, we hit some adversity and didn't fulfill that potential. But having so many returning players, you know, is such a good jumping off lane. And the players we brought in are also very good. So, and like I said, the, you know, the chemistry, uh, the culture has been very good. So hopefully adding all that up is going to be, you know, for an exciting season for all of us, you know, something memorable, hopefully. I'm excited to follow you, cover the team as always. Tim Cotton, Jim, IVCC men's soccer coach. Always a pleasure to speak with you, my friend. Thanks for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Brandon, we held our really appreciated, man. Thank you for having me. See you soon. The chats on this episode of Edge of Your Seat Podcast with Christian Soderholm, Tim Cotton, Jim, and Scott Payne are brought to you by Mendota Ford. Mendota Ford is a community dealership that is dedicated to be in community first, a small dealership in a smaller town. Associates Jason Hintz and Caitlin Henry pride themselves in being here for you. They don't want to sell you one vehicle. They want to form a bond, a relationship to get you every vehicle you want and cars, trucks, and SUVs for your friends and family. Jason Hintz has been with Mendota Ford for eight years, giving him the experience needed to help customers in every way possible. Caitlin Henry joined the team in July and is excited to help you find your dream vehicle. You can purchase any vehicle off any lot in the Medota Ford family. Jason and Caitlin will make sure they track it down and hand you the keys with a little jingle jangle. To check out the many options on the lot, Medota Ford is located just south of Medota on Highway 251. To look ahead or find a vehicle on another lot, check out www.mendotaford.com. Call 815-539-539. 9314 for all vehicle inquiries with Mendota Ford. And when you do, don't forget to mention where you heard about Mendota Ford as the dealership has a refer a friend or family member program. If you buy a vehicle, the person or podcast who refers you gets $100. Well, week three for the Amboy Lamoille Ohio Clippers, the same as the previous two weeks, ending with a W, 60-8 over Martinsville. 
Coach Scott Payne, I mean, you guys have had a game plan. It's been working each week and including week three. Yeah, uh, you know, the kids played really well. Uh, you know, we were kind of out of our routine. You know, I had to spend the night down there on Friday night and everything. But, you know, the kids uh, adjust to it real well. And they went out and just played a great football game in all three phases of the game. You said spend the night because the game was on Saturday at 2 p.m. Martinsville. And if I remember from our last conversation, it was four hours travel for you guys? Yeah, it was. Four-hour drive, so we went, drove down and stayed in FEM and then drove the rest of the way Saturday morning. So, uh, you know, it was a good experience for the kids. Not many high school teams get to have an overnighter and uh, things like that. So it's a good experience for them, and they had a good time. Did you see any, you know, before the game started, did you see anything, you know, like that you were worried about, you know, because of the changes? I know we're all creatures of habit, and when there is a little change in there, we all change. So was there anything that you saw differently, or did the kids just play their game? No, they, they just played their game. You know, I, I, I was looking out for it before the game, trying to see some things, and I didn't see any difference than if we would have been, you know, back here in Amboy, you know, getting ready to take the, the field there. And uh, so I was happy with that. Uh, you know, like I said, you know, the kids did a great job uh, mentally preparing for the game. Good stuff. Scoring breakdown for those 60 points. Who made the touchdowns? Quinn Leffelman had a 10-yard run in the first quarter. Welcho had a 33-yard run in the first quarter. And then in the second quarter, Jones hit Welcho for 47 yards passing. And then he hit Blaine for 70 yards and passing touchdown. And then Quinn Leffelman had an 81-yard touchdown run. And then Welchel had a 57-yard touchdown run. And then in the third quarter, Quinn had a five-yard touchdown run. If I remember right from last year, it always seemed like the second quarter was your guys' quarter. And, you know, after that game, and I know you had a, a big second quarter against River Ridge, I mean, it kind of seems like that uh, trend is continuing. Actually, funny, I, I talked to the kids after the game about this on Saturday. I said, you know, it was a great second quarter. I go, I just, you know, sometimes I wish we could just start the – play like that in the first quarter right off the bat but uh you know maybe maybe just there just takes them a little bit to get warmed up or something but uh yeah you know they've done a great job every second quarter of this season so far when you said that to them did they say anything back well like hey it's early coach yeah no they all just kind of looked at me and chuckled and they knew i was kind of joking around a little bit when i said it they all just kind of laughed about it defensively martinsville scores eight that's the most you guys have allowed for the season as River Ridge also scored eight, uh, Decatur, Unity, Christian, scoreless. <laughs> You're not letting opponents put much points on the board. What was it about this game against Martinsville that, you know, held it so, to them, so limited points? Uh, you know, I think I've said this every week. It was our defensive line again. You know, our defensive line controlled their offensive line. Um, you know, we did a good job of shutting down their run game. You know, allowing the, the linebackers to make the tackles. And then, um, you know, the one thing that did hurt us is, you know, uh, Martinsville was completing some passes on us, and that's how they scored their touchdown was a, uh, I think it was like a 30-some yard touchdown pass to their receiver. You know, but I mean, again, you know, as a, you're always going to nitpick and find things, you know, that you have to work on after games like that as a coach when you watch the film. And uh, So, you know, we'll work on defending the pass more this week and get better at it. I know if I'm a member of the lineman, I am never going to get tired of hearing my coach talk about the line. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, our offense and defense line both did, you know, a, f a phenomenal job again this game. Uh, you know, they, just, they controlled the line of scrimmage. And a couple times I've seen a couple of kids taking, blocking their guy 10 yards downfield. And, uh, you know, there was one play, Blaine drove his guy all the way out of the back of the end zone. And, you know, when you, when you see blocking like that as, as a coach, you know, it brings a big smile to your face. Next week, week four. We got 
Quest Academy, and they're 0-3. You don't ever want to look at a game and say, hey, this is an easy win. So what do you tell your kids coming into this? Like, hey, you know, this is a game. we got to play just as well as we did before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and it's also homecoming week, so we got to deal with that on top of it. I, I told the kids Saturday, you know, it's homecoming. I understand, you know, you want to do all the other stuff and have fun. I go, but in the end, no matter what, it always comes down to the game on Friday night. And that's the most important thing. You know, and this is like our motto, you know, every week we want to go 1-0. and And so, uh, you know, this week we want to go 1-0. and And, uh, you know, the kids, I think, you know, they'll, they understand that. They'll be ready to go. Sometimes during homecoming week, there's usually one day that in practice they kind of lose their uh, attention. But, uh, you know, as a coach, you just do what you got to do to get them back into it. And, you know, we'll, we'll be fine. Not only is it homecoming, it's your only home game in the stretch of – Six games as you were just on the road for River Ridge and Martinsville. You're at home against Quest Academy, and then your next three are on the road. So you're gonna, you're probably like, hey, we need this home game. We need to, you know, ground ourselves just a tad. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, like I said, you know, we got five to six on the road, and uh, you know, it's nice to be able to have a home game right in the middle of that. And uh, you know, uh, I guess you can just kind of call us the Road Warriors because it seems like we're always on the road every week and. Yeah, it's nice to have a home game right in the middle of all these away games. Perfect. Anything you want to add? Yeah, actually, special teams did a great job. They blocked a punt on Martinsville's first series and then gave us good field position at the like the 20-yard line. Uh, Austin Heath blocked it. So it got you good momentum right from the get-go. Yeah, 